1: My name is Richard Brown. And as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well, today really is the end of the end of our Women in Property series. And uh, we have the second part of our concluding recap and review of the series to share with you. So let's hear more of uh, Helen and my own insights and observations after interviewing no less than 12 wonderful women in property
0: right now. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter.
1: So there was the social media side of marketing that I picked up. The other one was networking, which I think mm-hmm. is a little bit underplayed. But a lot of our guests talked about the power of networking.
2: They did. They did, absolutely. Um, and, I, you know, there's, there's just – such a tendency if you if you work for yourself to feel really isolated and not have um, encouragement and someone to bounce ideas off you know you can't just turn around and ask your colleagues that over there what do you think of this um, and also um, oh I've forgotten the word now
1: accountability accountability
2: yeah so if you you know if you're um, if you can network with like-minded people um then they they can give you those things and make sure that you don't feel quite so isolated
1: yeah support and accountability and there's another one and um i was fortunate enough to host a panel discussion on co-living yesterday and i think you know about that but um tremendous guests actually who were sharing and of course one of the One of the aspects of co-living, which is completely on a different tangent, but I'll just I'll come back on topic. Don't worry. Was this idea of um, a loneliness and isolation and and, this sense of community that we're perhaps starting as a society to lose, starting as a society to lose. And it's the same with um, property. So many people I speak to, if you really, you know, if you get to know them, you get to open up. They will admit and confess that it's a lonely old trail. And so just putting yourself out there. Um, there's, there's someone I'm speaking to in my little community at the moment who was working from home and was kind of feeling a bit down, just got the blues, you know? And he was talking about, I always did also a difficult environment to work at home. He didn't have a proper office. He's, they're building an extension, which apparently is going to house, house, his office. So I just encouraged him to go and find, you know, either a coffee shop or mm-hmm. uh, one of these co-working spaces. And he did it. And he said the transformation was amazing. You know, just got human contact, get out of the environment. Um, and, you know, he just felt much, much better. Um, so I think, where am I going with this? <laughs> you know, having a network, not only for support mm-hmm. and accountability, but also just, you know, human contact, basic human contact.
2: Yeah. Do you know, I was surprised the other week, last week, I dropped my. Blinking phone and the screen smashed. I needed it to be replaced, and so I popped into town. Um, you know, went into the uh, computer shop, and it was a one-hour while you wait service. And they said, "Well, why don't you go around the corner to this particular coffee shop? Here's a, a card. If you show that to them, they'll give you a free coffee." Um, and I, I worked there for an hour. I take my laptop in, and it was fantastic. And I, it made me think, "Crikey." I need to be seeking out co-working spaces a bit more often. And I didn't even think that that was a need in me. I thought I was perfectly happy at home, but actually having gone and tried it, I thought, yeah, totally get this now.
1: Yeah, well, get yourself out there. You have to drop your phone more often.
2: Yeah, (laughs) it's a rather expensive (laughs) way. (laughs)
1: 500 quid for a coffee or something, whatever it is these days. Yeah, maybe not. OK, sorry, I'm taking us off, off off on a tangent. So bring us back. Bring us back, Helen.
2: OK, so you've already mentioned um, getting organised and Lisa Lisa Orme was very keen on people getting really organised. Um, I also um, was thinking about what Anna Harper said about, um, you know, going for operational excellence and doing a really good job. And I think that that came through quite strongly with with all of our guests, that they all seem to be genuinely committed to doing a really great job, and I think this is probably because that many of our guests also mentioned that you know property was very much a people business, mm-hmm. and that uh, many of our clients, Jackie Edwards mentioned. Working in ways that um, made sure that it was a win win situation for all the parties involved. A lot of different guests mentioned creating long term relationships with people. And I think that is, those two are, are quite closely linked. I think it's taking a long term approach um,
1: overall. Yeah, there's so many different elements of what you just said there that are popping into my mind. Mm. You know, first of all, you've got the whole systemization and processes part. So if you yeah. talk about operational excellence, um, you know, I mean, when when Anna said that, I was like, wow, that's kind of a you know, kind of a big business sort of way of looking at it. But it's just, it was just the language of that. I think most people said, no, oh, I'm using this process. I've got, I'm outsourcing to people in multiple countries. I've got processes that they follow. I've got systems and apps and tools that we're using. It's just, it's operational excellence, you know.
0: It
2: is. Yeah. And why not? Why not go for operational excellence, even if you are, a, you know, a, a, a solo landlord with a very small portfolio? Why why would you not aim for that? Well, yeah.
1: And I think equally, I mean, as Lisa was really saying, if you don't have that kind of organisation or you don't have that organisational excellence, it can jeopardise your business. So, you, you know, you, you lose track of um you know, when the gas safety certificate was, was supposed to be renewed and, you know, you've got a problem. So, um, but, yeah. Yes. And similarly, I think the people side was really, you know, it was very fascinated to hear about how people organize their business. You know, with people with virtual teams, for example, people who have flexible working, um, you know, in, within their business uh, operations, people who actually plan their year schedule around the, the school terms. You know, there there was a a lot of flexibility in in working arrangements and and caring for staff and contractors.
2: Yeah, that that came through to me as well. Um, But, yeah, the the importance of, you're right, your systems, your processes and building a team around you to support you. And to perhaps to take away some of the elements that it's not necessary that you yourself do. Uh, And I think that comes back to, you know, people always talk about this. I've I've talked about this with regard to my own business today um, in our little chat before we started recording. It's working on your business instead of in your business. Um, So, yeah, I think all those things add up to hopefully. Operational excellence.
1: They do, and that point about working on your business—it's—it's it, it, it's become one of those um, platitude statements in a way. Work on your mm. business instead of in your business. So everybody's heard of that one. What does it mm. really mean? Well, because in the day-to-day grind, you're working in the business. It's right. Like, that's just what it is. You're dealing with stuff. So you, yeah, you have to take yourself out, probably for what well, take yourself out for a pre-planned period of time, and probably in an mm. alternative environment as well to be able to do that successfully so um you know if you can go like for a weekend retreat or just have a day off or uh, you know go and talk to a coach or a mentor you you, you change what they call a pattern interrupt you have mm. to uh, that's what the marketeers call it that's what, uh, that's what i'm <laughs> told anyway so i'm told so you mm-hmm. have to interrupt the day-to-day to be able to do that work on the business so yeah i mean i, I went to, so I, I digress but i went on a mastermind myself recently and it was like three days i think it was three days mm. of you know solid back-to-back you know breakfast till bar closing you know networking and masterminding <laughs> it was pretty heavy going helen um
2: i was gonna say it sounds knackering to be fair
1: well it was it was i was dead at the end of it <laughs> but um point being I wasn't working in the business I can tell you that <laughs> I was too busy working networking on the business thinking of strategies and directions and setting goals for the future so it was um, it was a very powerful three days so had a lot of catch- up to do later but there we go that was just a, that was what I had to do later
2: yeah but that's it you always do catch up later don't you but it's um it's that well, yeah so busy working on the nitty-gritty that I can't find the time to work on the big picture strategy stuff yeah and, and stuff like you know goals and yeah we need to do that
1: yeah we do
2: so, so do you want me to move on to the next point
1: yeah i just thought i'd one. just pause and make it a nice delicate link but yeah let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just what is the next one how many um, have we got before that how many have we got just give me a reference so
2: okay. i think we've Looking down the list, um, I think we've pretty much got three points left. Okay, come on, let's kick it. Okay, so um, a, a lot of our guests, uh, certainly uh, Anne and Olga, um, really spring to mind here. Talked about being f- the importance of being frank and honest um mm-hmm. and um yeah i thought that was uh quite interesting i mean you know not that um <laughs> everybody was
1: dishonest is that what you're saying
2: <laughs> yeah exactly you know <laughs> you but um that, okay. but i think yeah that, that was said many times uh over over the course of um the series and one of the things that i was thinking about which which might be helpful for any Prospective developers who are listening, um, was Anne was saying, be frank and honest, particularly in the context of um, when you're uh, briefing your supply chain. So I thought it was really interesting how she said, often developers. Don't talk to the plumbers, uh, the plumbing contractor until way down the line when they've had designs made that won't actually work. And to get, you know, suppliers involved right at the design um, stage of the process um, and be, you know, and everyone kind of be a bit more honest and, and open and transparent and things would work a lot more smoothly. What did you think about that?
1: Well, yeah, and I was guilty of that. I think I remember back that conversation that you know I remember meeting one of the contractors and one of my jobs almost at the end when we we're signing it off, and he's like, "I don't know who you are, you know, dude. I like to know who people are." Yeah, so I, I do remember that conversation uh, with Anne, but um, I also remember Carolina making similar comments. You um, mm. mentioned Olga, but I think that I think it's a bigger point. So there's like a business value in being honest mm. and and you know transparent. There's also, you know, the personal values and being authentic, you know, yes. and, you know, just being honest with one another. I think Olga made this point really well with her business partner, didn't she, that um, mm. they kind of were persevering and being all nicey-nicey to one another, like, oh, I'll let you have your idea. And even though the other one was thinking, that's never going to work, you know. Um, and then it didn't work. And then they had an open, honest conversation about, well, why didn't it work? Well, one was too headstrong and the other one was too quiet and so they that's yeah. me paraphrasing i might have done that a disservice but just being authentic and transparent and honest um can get you to where you want to be a lot quicker um you know because the, there's there's what they call forming teams they go through stages and um, you know you have to get to like a storming phase before you can actually get <laughs> to the real performing phase so you might as well get it out of the way sooner rather than later i don't mean have a big rat flat route but um you know, just be honest, yeah. you know, say what you mean, mean what you say. Well, Helen, are you there? So you may as well get it out of the way sooner rather than later. I don't mean have a big, flat route, but, um, you know, just be honest, yeah. you know, say what you mean, mean what you say.
2: Absolutely. Um, so I think the next point was uh, a lot of our guests mentioned that they wanted to help people through their work in some way. Uh, So um, going, you know, right back to Vanessa, our our very first guest, she was saying that, you know, with the um, government emphasising the professionalisation of the private uh, rented sector, she still felt that sometimes... Uh, landlords didn't take their responsibility seriously enough and you know this is ultimately playing with people's lives it was literally a matter of life and death you know if if you don't get on top of your of the maintenance of your boiler and and it's letting out carbon monoxide for example or whatever it might be right through to um Anna Harper our last guest who wants to um, create affordable high quality rental properties and you know lovely homes that people can afford and that's really important to her in addition to you know obviously making uh making a profit so yeah that was a thread which i think was was pretty much um you know throughout this series
1: i think you picked that up you know consistently with all of our guests you know i think you were doing a lot of background research before our conversations and you were seeing Mm -hmm. statements on websites and on linkedin profiles and and everything else you know which spoke that out shouted it out didn't it and i think um it's a clear differentiator that's the marketing mm-hmm. angle, but, um, but they don't, weren't coming from a marketing point of view. They're genu- people were genuinely wanting to do the right thing, do good, mm. have a purpose, a, a higher purpose than just making money. Um, and in fact, if you just have a purpose of making money, it probably won't really work. It will come unstuck at some point. So you have a different kind of purpose where you're adding value, looking after people, forging you know uh, in new directions, it, it, the money will follow anyway, probably. But I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if it's just because this group of women that we had um, are successful that they had a sense of purpose. I'm suspecting it is. You know, they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But I think it is something we can take away um, very clearly and think: well, it's it's not just about money. This isn't just a money journey. It is, you know, it's principles, as values, as purpose, as people um, that that you know go before that. Serving people, for example, serving uh, clients and customers. Nobody really talks about tenants as a customer, but but they are.
2: They are. I mean, if if you um, speak to most businesses, uh, you know, or businesses in most sector, and ask them, you know, what's what's your customer journey, then you know, m- most sectors would be able to respond quickly with an answer to that. How many, you know, landlords do you know? Would you be able to ask that question of who would who would be able to give you an answer?
1: Yeah, it's kind of foreign foreign territory, I think, to to many of them. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, maybe a slight digression, but as we move more into the digital age and, um, you know, um, trial by review, etc., social media age, mm. you know, it's going to become more and more and more important you know I think to it is you know actually get the customer service element right
2: and also uh, you know the I know the PRS has had um, a bit of a raw deal uh, in the press over the last few years and even you know the government um, is uh, making things a lot harder for the small landlord but Lisa Orme made a made some really good points when we spoke to her about um how for example, you know she'd had tenants who um, their life circumstances had changed, so they might have been going through a relationship breakdown or they lost their jobs um and you know they kept in communication with her about what was going on, and she agreed to kind of help them out there for a, a short while. And so I think you know, she said to us, one of those tenants um, had now been with her for twenty years. So, who is going? So there is an element of I think was, you know, smaller landlords often looking after tenants um, when they have you know short term difficulties. And certainly, large institutional landlords aren't going to do that.
1: No, they're not. They're going to go for the policy and procedures manual. Um, I think, you know, Vanessa spoke about that. I remember she was saying, was it her first Mm. property that she had a very short-term tenant initially and then a very, very long-term tenant that followed? Mm. Uh, Sam, Colette, also talked about, you know, having like a relationship, not relationship. Oh yes. You know, a personal connection uh, and friendship with some of her tenants as well. Um, So yes, it was a running theme and it's particularly for people who've been in the business for a number of years. Um, It's a person, it's a people to people business. I mean, obviously it's a business. So if a tenant's not paying you for six months, it's going to hurt. So, um, but, yeah. but you know, you need to be able to be sensible about how where your limits are in that respect. But you know, we're all human. We've all had difficult moments in our lives, and it's nice. It would be nice to think that somebody else can show a bit of empathy and support at a difficult moment. Sometimes I agree.
2: Absolutely. So it's um, it, it's such a shame because it seems like you know the small landlord has a, a, a you know a bit of a PR issue going on right now. Um, and it's it's so so often very much unwarranted well you
1: know and we we, we as landlords which we're we're isolated you know we're just you mm. know we've just got a couple of properties here and there we're just a small voice in a, in a very large crowd so we're not you know doing doing a great job really well but it was very difficult for us to come together and get a voice but I think ironically though the last large majority of landlords are doing a good uh, job Generally speaking, I'm sure there's room for improvement across the board, and I know there's minority, there's a minority of landlords that are bad landlords, and I, you know, want to root them out as, as well as anybody. But um, yeah, I think we just need to up our game a bit and uh, keep keep striving, and remember it's a people business, and remember we're here to serve
2: fundamentally. Absolutely, and kind of uh, nicely moving on from from there is. Um, Actually, as you've mentioned, many of our guests are not necessarily property investors now. Um, Some of them have never been. Some of them have tried it and have um, diversified into other related fields. Um, And some of them are kind of just diversifying their investments. So, yeah, that was um, quite interesting. The fact that you can be involved in property but not necessarily as a property investor um and and that there are lots of different paths open to being in property yeah
1: i think that's a really it's a really good observation isn't it and we we you know some so some of the guests that one or two people recommended that you know we talked to the initial is mm-hmm. well, they're not like property you know and then you thought about it and I'll give you know it's related to property so we will give to you know bring them in and then we have a conversation. It's everything to do with property. It's everything to do with some of the principles of the business of property.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, absolutely, totally agree. And it's like in the gold rush, selling the shovels type of thing. So you can be a service <laughs> provider. Uh, you can be a service provider to the property industry, and still make a really good success and living uh, uh, in doing so. And you know, obviously, a number of our mm-hmm. guests weren't directly property investors or developers. You say one or two tried it. It didn't always work out so well. You know, you yourself are perhaps an example of that, Helen, would you say?
2: Yeah, I guess so. Um, Sorry, well, the know,
1: I... didn't work out so well a bit, but, you know, having, <laughs> running, running a business which is aligned to the property sector.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, so um, several years ago now, I decided that I would like um, us to, you know, effectively build um assets and one of those would be property um, but uh, we haven't done brilliantly at um, getting a deposit together for a variety of reasons not not least the fact that um we've been having children these last few years <laughs> <Being> busy, um, <laughs> it's a bit busy um, a bit costly as well yeah. but um i so i, ha- I have um my own marketing and PR consultancy, but I ha- now have several uh, clients who are in property. So for me, which I you know, have, I've actively solicited that. Um, so it's a way, I'm, I learned so much from my property clients, um, which will be really useful for me going forward about the market in general, about particular strategies, um so, uh, you know, at the moment, for example, um, I'm taking a leaf out of Tara Coley's book uh, and considering we're kind of looking to work on refurbishing and extending our, our own current home over the next few years, which is something I wouldn't have considered before. But as I've learned more and, and um, worked out what our actual goals are, that has become a good option for us. So, yeah, you don't necessarily have to be a property investor at, at the moment to um, uh, learn an awful lot about property investment with a view to doing something in the future. And indeed, you know, I can make a living from working with property people right now in a completely different field but it is related so yeah
1: <laughs> well you said it all i mean that's that's what i was looking for and you know by the way when you mentioned the whole uh tarakoli you know move up the ladder uh, property ladder um idea that's very mm. underrated as a strategy actually mm. i mean obviously you can only do it with one property at a time for a you know a period of time um, it's not a fast moving uh, model. But, um, you know, and some people say, oh, I'll just go buy a, buy a house and move every six months. But that's no fun. And by the way, the tax money will probably come after you eventually as well. But, <laughs> but you can do it every couple of years and you can move up the ladder. And um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's underrated. That was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think equally, um, what was coming through to me was this idea of what I call transferable skills as well. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people who have moved from alternative environments into property uh, and applying some of the skills that they picked up, business development, marketing, finance being Mm. some key ones. Um, So I think, and equally, some of them stepped out from very highly paid corporate careers. Um, Mm. So a lot of people would look at them and think, you live in the dream, you know, you've, you've, you've I think it was uh, was it Olga who has had looked after sixty five countries or something, uh, yeah. but she said she more or less lived in the airport, um, so it's not quite as glamorous as it perhaps appears from the outside, and she wanted to get no. back in touch with you know people and make a difference mm-hmm. that she could see and view and touch sort of thing, um, but it was this idea of transferable skills so and you can transfer both ways is where I'm going so you're applying some of the skill sets to people in the property sector through some of your businesses. And mm. then some of our guests um, who also did some of that, Lisa being a good example, um, some of the guests have like taken skills they've picked up in other business sectors and applying them in property. So this idea of transferable mm. skills, I think then just going back to something we said earlier about courage and stepping out is, um, is what, what you need to do have faith and belief and just step out and make it work
2: yeah definitely you've got to go for it if this is something you want then you know you've got to set it as a goal and work out how you're going to make it happen but I think um, I've also had a feeling over the course of the series that Many, many of our guests have kind of said, you know, a property is not a get rich quick strategy, certainly not in the in the, you know, the current market conditions. Um, and, it, you know, um, I think I read a, a quote somewhere the other day. Um, it might have been Lisa or actually, um, quoting someone saying that. You People tend to overestimate what they can achieve in um, a year or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, but underestimate what they can achieve in 20 years. So, yeah, I think, you know, it it doesn't necessarily matter. And it's not realistic to think that we can... um, you know, make millions by next Tuesday. But if if we have a realistic, longer term goal um, and find the right strategy to get there, you know, we can do this.
1: Indeed, we can. I agree.
2: Change our lives.
1: Yeah, change our lives. Indeed. So, do you have any more on your list? First of all, because I've got one thing I wanted to cover off, but um, is is there more topics on your list that we needed to? I'm a, done. My list a, is done. It's going to be a two parter, Helen. You know that, don't you? This.
2: I do. <laughs> I'm not surprised, frankly. <laughs> yeah, just put you and me
1: together and that's what it's gonna turn into, if not a three parter if we're not careful. But um, let's do a two-parter. So you are done with the list. Um, so I wanna take us back then, if that was the case, um, full circle. And when we set this series up, we were thinking, um, you know, are there gonna be some stereotypes, are there gonna be some myths? You know, are we gonna reinforce the stereotypes? Are we gonna learn something new? Are we gonna bust any myths? So just looking back, I guess, over the last, you know, 12 weeks or so, um, how, how does that shape up?
2: Myth busting. Did we bust? I, I, I don't know if we did. I mean, um, we just had such a diverse group of, of women, as I guess, as, as you would expect. Um No, I, I there's nothing that I can think of that we've that we've done to bust any particular myths. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I thought. I mean, well, the conclusion is there was was such a variety and a mixture. So if I take Mm. you know just the whole gender topic for for a second, Mm. you know there there was very clearly some some women were saying no, women you know equal to men, going to do the same things as men, etc. And then there were some mm. women who were saying, "I'm a woman. I'm different, and I'll leverage that." You know, when I don't mean it wasn't. You know, I don't think it was meant in any sort of lewd way. You know, but mm. um, I'll take advantage of that at the right moments as well. So you can contrast those two views, and then obviously, if you put them together, you end up with a sort of a moderate um, view. So it wasn't everyone saying, you know, that we're smashing through gla- glass ceilings here, and mm. you know, um, or there is this uh, massive uh, gender gap. Uh, or inequality that exists no one was really kind of saying that or on balance they weren't saying
2: that um so i don't i I, that was my feeling i I didn't feel that people uh, that i don't think any of our guests felt that they had been significantly disadvantaged because of their gender in property i think that was that was quite clear um but yeah i think i think were they (laughs) No, certainly not. We we met some some re, some real characters, didn't we? Yeah. Um. Had yeah. some had some great chats, but uh, yeah, I think some of our guests said, you know, I, yes, I would be. Um. Yeah, I will use my kind of strengths as a woman, um. Where needed, but I I think you know that might be stuff like ability to multitask or whatever. But in all honesty my other half better at multitasking than me. <laughs> <laughs> so again, you know, I think you just can't generalise, but certainly what this what this cohort um, have showed us is that it's absolutely possible to make a success as a wom- woman in property, whichever part of property that is, um, and, uh, and to create, a better life for for you and your family that works, you know, better around your your perhaps family commitments or, or your you know your lifestyle choices. Um, so yeah,
1: couldn't have put that better myself. I think it's quite a fitting way to um, to to summarise what we've you know talked about over the last few months or so. But it's been yeah. um, it's been a pleasure working with you, Helen, over this series um and you yeah it's good to get a different take i'm sorry if i sometimes fell into manspeak, mansplaining or whatever
2: <laughs> <laughs> i don't think you did that
1: <laughs> uh, i don't know but um i'm trying my best you know but i don't always succeed but it's been fantastic i wanted to showcase um you know role model examples of women who are really sort of um doing so well so so well and really for that to be an inspiration and indeed, an mm-hmm. aspiration for not just women. I had lots of men reach out to me and say they're really enjoying the series and getting a lot of value from it. So that was a purpose, really, Great. just to share that. So thanks for joining me on this journey. Um, is it's, you've you've brought a different dimension to it, um, and um, look forward to engaging with you in other projects as we as we go forward as well. Helen, thank you.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, and thank you so much for inviting me to be. Uh, part of this series i've really enjoyed it i've learned loads um and it's been it has been such a pleasure working with you and and yeah meeting these amazing women so thanks again
1: no you're welcome and just a parting comment you're now the content doc aren't you
2: i am the content doc there you
1: go so if anyone anyone's listening and thinking well you know i'd like some help maybe speak my voice getting my voice out there We've got the content Absolutely. doc in, in Helen Pollock, who's uh, just reach out. You can, you can send a message to us on the podcast uh, or I'll put Helen's contacts in and you will you can connect with her, I'm sure. Brilliant. Um, there's exactly. your plug, Helen. I wanted to do that because <laughs> um, you, you've, you've made such a difference to this series. So let's draw a line there before we ramble on too much more. But it's been great chatting as always. And um, let's see
2: what the future holds. Absolutely. Thank you very much.
1: You're welcome. See you now. Bye bye. Bye-bye. There we go. Then, so uh, much like last week, um, just going to come up, come here now, and just do a couple of uh, summary points. Obviously, Helen and I spent a bit of time walking through that, but uh, just the concluding points. I think I have about five of them. The first one is that um, many of our uh, women in property guests were talking about getting organised, and even the term operational excellence came in. Most of our guests were committed to doing a genuinely great job, and often use tools and applications and systems, uh, and I guess processes. I've got in the process, but I can't use processes in the process, so and processes in their business or businesses. And equally, they they adopted quite a long term approach, seeking win-win outcomes and serving others was another recurrent theme. So I got this balance between being efficient and effective, if you like, in their business, but equally doing the right thing and, uh, you know, maybe maybe even having a, a higher calling, which I'll come on to. And uh, many of the guests also have flexible working arrangements and virtual teams. And, uh, and they, and, but not to forget the fact that uh, quite often it was mentioned working on your business, and certainly Helen talked about this, working on your business, not always in your business. So making sure you set aside some time to get into the different um, aspects and uh, mind space of, of working on your business to interrupt the daily pattern in order to achieve this. Next, we have the importance of honesty and being authentic. Now, we talked about a lot of values of all of our guests over the whole series, but this idea of being honest and authentic was something that stuck out with, if not all, certainly most of our guests. So being frank and honest with staff, business partners, and also along the full supply chain was something that came out. Of course, honesty is both a personal value and also a business principle that many of our guests shared. So say what you mean and mean what you say seem to be a good way of summarizing that. Next, to talk about this, this purpose or a higher calling beyond ourselves. So many of our guests were, were not in it just for the money, just to make a quick buck for themselves, if you like. They had a higher sense of purpose or a higher calling, which reached beyond themselves. And even if that wasn't a, an, an obvious statement, it was uh, apparent in behavior uh, so, for example, Lisa Orm talked about you know looking after clients, uh, clients. Well, yeah, clients, tenants over an extended period of time, and indeed clients in her business. Um, she didn't say that was her purpose particularly, but it was clear that that is a, you know one of her highest values uh, that she she holds dear. And many others, other guests actually talked about deliberately setting out to serve other people and doing a great job. And so um, it can be, of course, a differentiator. Uh, but i'm not suggesting we just create something as a as our purpose and then market it as a differentiator because that would not be authentic revert back to my last point um, but it would actually be make a lot of sense if we did genuinely believe in in things so for example my purpose is to share my knowledge that is my purpose i, I believe um, it's taken me a while to fully appreciate that but that's why I do this podcast so everything i do is consistent and congruent with my purpose that's what I believe anyway so the other thing that came out in this section was getting the customer e- uh, service ethos into our property business and treating tenants as customers uh, or clients, and in- including at times supporting our tenants through more challenging times. Smaller landlords are more able to respond personally, of course, which again would be a differentiator cont- compared to, say, a larger business operation, which would just re- refer to the manual and the processes rather than the humanistic side of things. The next point was about making it in property, and I guess you know you probably you know picked up from the balance of guests that we had on the series that you, you don't always have to work you know, directly in property investment or property development to make it and you know make a path and achieve success in property. There's also this um, you know there's people who have businesses aligned to property, they're service providers or they're providing connected services into the property or construction sector. And that's very, very important. A couple of people switched horses, didn't they? Some people have started in a, a, a pro- in property and switched out of um, property investment into a related field. And some other people, you know, did it the other way around a little bit and have, have migrated or diversified outside of property into, into other sectors uh, as well. And there was this crossover between being a successful businesswoman and being a successful property investor or developer. There was a lot of parallels that came out when we talked to many of the guests who were successful business people, but not necessarily successful. You know, they're not directly property investors, but there was so much crossover and transferable skills, which I'm going to come on to. And um, in this section, I just wanted to flag that our own home can also be a way to make progress. So if you feel like you're struggling a little bit to make headway in property uh, and you can get on the housing ladder or you're already on the housing ladder, then think about your home as a way to do that. Um, Yeah, of course, it possibly means doing some sort of project at home, Um, but not necessarily. But, you know, look at Tara Coley and how she advanced uh, up the sort of property ladder, if you like, using her own home and adding value along the way. And I did just come back to this point. I want to come back to this point about transferable skills, finance and marketing were two of the big ones, but they're not the only ones. I think due diligence uh, Lizzie Fraser was always talking about uh, due diligence, for example, um, so are, are consistent in, in business essentially, and they can be compli- um, sorry applied uh, in different ways between both property and business. So if you have a transferable skill from another sector, you can probably bring it into property and leverage that and capitalise upon it as well. Property course is not a get rich quick strategy. Now, we do tend to overestimate what we can achieve in the short term, yet underestimate what we can achieve in the long term. Finally, um, reinforcing stereotypes or busting some myths. About three months or so ago, Helen and I wondered whether we would uh, you know, identify stereotypes or bust some myths throughout the series. But did we do that? Well, <clears throat> not really, I think was our conclusion. Well, I think what we uncovered was all of our guests are different. And so anything goes, really. Uh, different strokes for different folks. There was no one size fits all. If I can get any more sort of uh, catchphrases into this particular summary, many of our guests would use their strengths as a woman where relevant, and others would, you know, insist there's no glass ceiling and everybody's new, you know, neutral. So you you can't generalise by gender. In other words, but the conclusion concluding point, of course, is you can indeed achieve success as a woman in property, and it, and that really brings me on to the overall summary that what i wanted to do in this series was showcase role model examples of women in property who can act as both uh, inspiration for you and aspirations to for others to to hear and follow as well so hopefully over the over the last 3 months or so um you've you've managed to achieve that and uh, taken something away from many many of our guests over the last few weeks and of course a big shout out most of all to all of the guests in this series and hopefully I haven't forgotten anybody. Um, I'm not very good at this sometimes. So hopefully I've captured everybody. So first off we had Vanessa Warwick from Property Tribes, then Sam Colette from What Sam Saw Today, Rupal Patel from Blue Infinity Group and Entrepreneura, which is a new startup that she's uh, launched afterwards, Lizzie Fraser from QB Investing, Jackie Edwards, the property go-to girl, Nicole Bremner from East 8 Developments, Tara Coley, Wildly Simply Free, Anna Timpany from Atra Living, Carolina Adamchik from Adamchik, Olga Nitieva from No White Walls, Lisa Orm from Key Mortgages, and Anna Claire Harper from Anglo Residential. Thank you so much to all of you um, for joining and sharing, you know, so so generously over the last few weeks. I'm sure we all really appreciate that. But let's not, you know, forget Helen Pollock herself, who joined me on the series as a co-host, but also helped, you know, tremendously behind the scenes to arrange for all the guests to come and join us. And you probably heard me mention um, Helen, now, now known as The Content Doc. So uh, if you want to find out more about Helen and what she does as The Content Doc, as PR and marketing and ghostwriting, um, then reach out to her. Her website is thecontentdoc.com PR. So have a look at a look at that. The link are in the show notes. The link is in the show notes rather. But there we go. That's all we have time for this week and indeed for the series of Women in Property. I do have a mini series coming right up and I'm loosely terming it, I think I'm probably going to go with this as the head as the series name, Property Heavyweights, where I will be interviewing a, an eclectic handful of people from our industry that have made great strides in terms of scale, longevity and or wealth. Uh, and i also share the odd update from our apprentices as a bonus episode in between, so as not to interrupt the flow from the Wednesday episode as uh, as the new series rolls out. Uh, the next series is a mini-series, so it's not going to be as long as the current one. And uh, yes, I've had one complaint that they haven't people haven't heard much from me recently because of the series formats that we're in. And um, if you just went a little bit longer, I'll be back. Don't worry, I'll be back. And I'll share more of my own insights on what's been going on and, you know, the good old stuff in the soundbite episodes that maybe you're after. But remember, if you want to talk about anything from today's show or just talk property investing more generally, you know you can email me or indeed Helen, the content doc Pollock. Both of us can be reached at podcast, thepropertyvoice.net and we'd be very happy to hear from you. The show notes, meanwhile, can be found over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. And I guess all that's left to say is thank you very much for listening once again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao ciao.